Welcome to Waking Up to Grace. Uh, I'm Lenny, and today I got my brother in Christ, Lee, on the line with us, and uh, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're, we just, I decided that we needed a sequel to the Faith Without Works is Dead uh, part that we did, uh, that I did, actually, and um, I was talking to Lee, I was out walking on the path and having a conversation, and I, he brought up some excellent insights when somehow James came up in our conversations, and I was like, no, we got to do a part two, and uh, so I was able to get him on the line with us, and it's been a while, and so I'm super excited to have Lee with us today, and and uh, so, yeah, we're going to we get just get right into things. Faith without works is dead, is what James says. And um, so, you know, this is the challenge that we often get from people when we're speaking a message of grace. They're going to come at you and just lay that out there. Faith without works is dead. And um, so if we're going to go into the book of James, you know, and start quoting passages, you know, what what should we be thinking about uh, about this? And then the first part of the series, I, I talked about, you know, the fact that he never mentions Christ. He 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 doesn't talk about the passion of Christ, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the life that we have in him. Uh, but he mentions a lot of things about the law and how holy the law is and how we got to keep the law. Uh, but there's things missing. There's something about James that you just, uh, as a grace teacher, can't quite put a finger on, isn't there? <laughs> so absolutely. what do you think about James, Lee? I mean, what is what is your response when somebody comes at you with that? Faith without works is dead, brother. Where are your fruits? <laughs> well, my first response is, you know, what do they really understand about James? What, what is James really uh, speaking to? Uh, James' uh, major center of focus is usually on the works issue. Yep. And if uh, and if that was the only passage, and it's kind of odd that people would sit and camp at that one passage in Scripture right. against all the passages that tell you about the grace of God, and that and that and and all he and all people focus on is faith without works is dead, being alone, mm -hmm. and. James doesn't mention one word about Christ. But then he even goes as far as to say, I'll show you my faith by my works. And you're like, what? Yeah. And so, you know, and when I was talking about it, I mentioned how we have to reconcile James with the rest of Scripture. Exactly. We're not reconciling the rest of Scripture with James. That would make no mm -hmm. sense, especially since yeah. he doesn't mention Christ. And right. so how do you reconcile this? Do you think the question I asked you on the path when I was uh, walking and talking with you was, do you think James belongs in the Bible? Do you think James is part of Scripture? Uh, and do you think that Scripture can be inerrant if James is saying these things? Those are some of the things we were talking about. So does James belong in, in the Bible? And that's what you're going to have to ask the scholars that put James in the Bible, but it doesn't belong. I have to agree with Martin Luther. When Martin Luther says, uh, uh, James, you can put James, he doesn't, he doesn't reject people putting James where they want to put James. But James, in his opinion, Martin Luther, he wasn't, he didn't put James as a list of one of the, uh, as apostolic. Yeah. All apostolic passages refer to Christ. Yeah. And Christ and then, is always the major focus of all, of all scripture. And uh, but James was not it's not apostolic because it doesn't present Christ in his presentation to whoever he's writing to. Yeah. So what about the problem with Paul? You know, James says faith without works is dead. And then what does Paul say? Seem Paul to say responds. in response. I mean, Paul actually responds to uh, to what James says in uh, uh, because James says, Abraham, see how Abraham James says, see how Abraham was justified by works when he offered up Isaac. And uh, and God considered uh, Abraham righteous. Mm -hmm. But Paul refutes that in his letter to the Roman church. In, Romans, in his letter to the Romans in chapter 4, at the very first verse, he says, if Abraham was justified by works, he would have a reason to boast, but not before God. But what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. 
Yep. Now, when a man works, his wages are not credited to him as a gift, but as an obligation. However, to the man who does not work, <laughs> but, <laughs> but believes God who justifies the wicked, his faith is credited as righteousness. Yeah, so I can, I can already... I can already yeah. feel the challenge coming. And my challenge, if I'm on the right. other side to you, is going to be like, well, sure. they're, talking, they're talking about coming to Christ by faith. James is talking about after we come to faith. How, how can you tell? How can, because, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I, I guess that's that's one point. But I'm going to say, oh, absolutely. He, he's talking about faith without works is dead. So he's mm -hmm. saying that if you have faith, and you don't have works, your faith is dead. And I've heard people say that, oh, he's just referring to a, a dead faith, somebody that God's not working in. But and you could say that, and that, mm -hmm. and that, and that sounds logical. But why does James go on to say, "I'll show you my faith by my works"? How are you going to prove to anybody your works by by your faith? It would sound to me like James had no understanding of the grace of God at all, or whoever wrote James. They had yeah. no understanding of the grace of God at all. And, se and secondly, he did not use, he did not take his stand. He did not take his stand on Christ. Right. Where Paul takes his stand on Christ. Abraham takes his stand on God. And, uh, but, but James does not even refer to, uh, to uh, God or Christ. He refers to, he will show you his faith by his works. Yeah. It's which tells me. Just like Martin Luther said, what he wrote is not apostolic. But but on the path, your sure. your your argument was a little bit uh, a little bit on more towards the Paul versus James issue. Absolutely. And I, asked you, I said, well, I said, what if being that we don't really know for sure when James was written, how do we know that Paul responded to him? And uh, you said it could have been uh, it could have been a prophetic that he knew that somebody would say such a thing. Exactly. And because that, he probably, that argument would come up. And so he covered it. He could have been right because James could not. It doesn't say that James is the only one that ever had that view. Peter, even uh, in, in Antioch, when he was at Antioch, Paul referred to Peter being in the wrong because Peter would, would sit and eat with the Gentiles. We eat, eat, eat and sit, sit and eat with the Gentiles, and then, but when certain people from James would arrive, mm -hmm. Peter with with well, he would leave the Gentiles and only sit with the uh, with the people from James. Yeah, and Paul Paul said uh, that Peter was uh, in error, according to that, and with and when and when. Paul showed up at Antioch. He withstood Peter to his face in front of everybody and told him he was in the wrong. Yeah. And uh and so so you see these you see these areas where where Paul is refuting people who are trying to double back to uh and it's, to me that's what the, the true uh the true meaning of backsliding is. Yeah. Is uh going back to to legalism, yeah. <laughs> you know, and legalistic practices, or to, or to the law, or to the circumcision, instead of holding on to grace. That's how Paul wrote. That's how Paul described backsliding to be. Exactly. And so it's kind of interesting that you mentioned yeah. that, and I, I just thought that mm -hmm. is, uh, you know, something I uh, hadn't considered since the last time we spoke. You know, and you pointed that out that. You know, that situation where um, Peter's error came from James and his yep. his people. So James maybe yep. had a reputation for having some legalistic views on things. Absolutely. And that intimidated, for some reason, that intimidated Peter. And Peter, that wasn't the first time Peter had to be corrected. Yeah. Jesus even had to correct Peter. When Peter told, when Peter told Jesus, you know, if they, hey, if uh, I'm not going to let anybody, uh, I want if, if even if everybody, if all the disciples leave and run away, I won't run away. Yeah. And what did Jesus say to Peter? He says, "Tonight, before the uh, the rooster crows twice, you will deny three times that you even know me." Mm-hmm. 
You see what I mean? Yeah. And then, and then even after Jesus' resurrection, Jesus would have to, to reassure Peter again. Yeah. Because Peter, he said, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. And then uh, he asked him again, Peter, do you love me? Feed my lambs. Mm -hmm. Peter, do you love me? And then Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Why do you keep asking me? <laughs> he keeps asking me these questions. <laughs> then he told him about his future, about how he was going to die. Yeah. You see, but Peter constantly needed that reassurance, but God, but God through Jesus knew. Yeah, Jesus that Peter, knew that he was going to be yeah. his mind was going to be being renewed throughout yep, throughout exactly. his life. And so yep. that actually would make sense where I, I've heard it actually mentioned before that that mm -hmm. that actually fits an early writing of James because yep. James would have been maybe legalistic until his mind was more renewed. Mm -hmm. And so that that would make sense that maybe it was James early on that wrote it that. And then Paul rebuked him. That that, yeah, would, that would hold some logic to it, you yeah. know. But then, but then you got to say, you know, well, does that make scripture errant? Because the Spirit of God is supposed to have inspired these writings, and so what are you trying to say that James was an error? That James no. was writing legalistically? No, it's just that you have to look at it. You have to look at it contextually. You and and even if and 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 James is quoting whatever he's quoting, whoever wrote it, and even Martin Luther brought up a um, a, um, a possibility that there might have been some person who who uh, was neither James wasn't James at all. And but yeah, he, but and, if it was, he just heard sermons. Let's, let's just say we're going to assume yeah. it's James. How do you yeah. reconcile that? Are you going to yeah. say that? Are you going to say that Scripture is errant? Because of what, because James was a little off his game, and Paul had to rebuke him. Does that make scripture errant? Well, if if it's it's errant, it's errant. If you're trying to say that that um, that uh, what James says is the gospel, it's not. It's not. Yeah. The, it's not the gospel. It's not. It's not. It's not reliable. It's not even reliable. But he never really could have, he couldn't have really said it was the gospel either because he's not preaching Christ. He only says yeah, he's do, Lord. Well, why do so many people hold on to James, especially when he says faith without works is dead? Yeah. Why do people hold on to that? Yeah. But you I mean, I, mean? I, I guess an interesting thing that you could say, though, and you could think about, it, and I think you had said, well, no, it's not scriptures errant. It's more that it's honest. And that's oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Also, and I think and, and the scripture, right? Scripture is very honest in 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 the mistakes that uh, the disciples make, and the corrections that it makes with people in the scripture. Yeah. You have to look at it as a whole. You can't look at it as a novel, you know. Right, and even and even yeah, some of right. the, even yeah, some of the burden yeah. of proof of scripture that we have that we know that it's legit uh -huh. are some of the uh, discrepancies. Because if yep. you had four people telling the same story like you do in the Gospels, yep. you could say, oh, it's not perfect. You know, one yep. one Gospel says that both thieves were mocking Jesus. One says uh -huh. that uh, one repented and, and uh, wanted to be in the kingdom. Well, so you throw the whole thing away you because can actually one make person says work together. Different. You know, you right. can actually make that work together because that just yep. means that they were both mocking him and one of them changed their mind. Right. But there's other little things that you pick up on, but it's a different point of view. And there's no yeah. way that, you know, if you had four people with the same exact story, if you interviewed yeah. four little kids that were lying, the same exact story, you'd be like, I think you guys might be lying, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> so it actually proves that scripture is even more authentic. Oh, because even if it because, was all the same. What, all... Because why, right? Because it was written right. by the hand of man, inspired by God, yeah. written by man. Yeah, and so and, that, and so you have that. So James might have still been a little bit wishy-washy. I mean, he didn't sure. even preach Christ in his letter. He yeah. was all about getting people to correct their actions. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. You know, and for whatever reason, you don't know what could have motivated him for for saying the things that he said. You know, some very stressful times. Yeah, you know, uh, but uh, yeah. 
So oh, we could man. we could say that maybe it was James the brother of Jesus, or maybe it was James the apostle. You know, we we could we could say maybe. Yeah. You know, but we we don't have to we don't have to say that it's gospel anything that was written in there because how could it be if he's not? But, he was talking about something else. But secondly, like the point you made earlier about the four gospels, uh, <laughs> what if all the gospels were exactly the same? Why would you need? Why would they call it four gospels then? <laughs> yeah, you see what I mean? What would be the? Yeah. It, would, it would be. It would be all the same. Yeah, but but the but the but the writers already knew it was four different accounts and four yeah. different variations. They already knew different personalities they, writing it. Yeah, different mindsets. Yeah, and different points of view. Yeah, you know, you had what like a doctor, a tax collector, and you had all these yeah. different occupational th views too. I mean, they thought differently. Their personalities yeah. were very different. So yeah, the one, you, you know, the one goes into the lineage and the others, you know, focused on the birth and well, another's focused on all the details of Jesus and everything that he said. You know, it's a, yeah. it's actually just amazing in that way. And the, the harmony of it is amazing. Absolutely. And so in the <laughs> harmony of scripture, is James mm -hmm. a problem? No, yeah. he's not a problem to those who can see the truth. But but if you were to go to a, you know, let's say you, you go to a church, you know, every week and James is the most popular thing they quote, what would be the what would be the intent? <laughs> I would have a hard time understanding the point. You're going to know you you're going to know you're walking into a legalistic uh, situation. <laughs> I know that much. You're going to yeah. know. You're going to know for sure, because yeah. if James is the major focus after all that stuff you've heard about what Paul taught. And what Jesus taught, and you walk into that situation where faith without works is dead, what works? What works would you do? Yeah. What works what works would you do? How many do you need? And how many do you need? What does it look like? So James, if James yeah. was proving his faith by his works, yeah. What did that look like? What does that look like? It doesn't sound the same way that Jesus proved uh, when Jesus was talking about the fruits of the spirit and James talking about the fruits of the spirit. It was like two different things. Yeah. You had one speaking about things that came from the truth and that came from Christ that came from him. And then you have another sounding like we're kind of the ones that are producing it. James didn't seem to be describing a vine and branches type of faith. Well, see, do, maybe he just didn't question. When you ask the question, what does that look like? The Apostle Paul gave a more definitive answer of what that looks like. But he, but, but, but the way Paul says it is the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, meekness, faith. It's the fruit. It's fruit. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not works. But the flesh has works. Yeah. And the works of the flesh are all negative. Yeah. In malice, jealousy, fits of rage, uh, selfish ambition. The list goes on and on and on. Mm -hmm. You see what I mean? Yeah. You don't want works. You don't want works. You want fruit. Yeah. <laughs> you don't want work. You don't yeah. want work. You want you want fruit. You're you're a branch. Yep. You know, you're a branch and and branches bear fruit. You know, Jesus is the vine, you're the branches. Yeah. The bran and the branches cannot bring forth fruit of itself. It must abide in the vine, the tree. Yeah. But you you can't go around doing whatever you want, Lee. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> 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 but I can go around, but I can't go around doing whatever God wants. Yeah. So, you you know, when you think of people saying that, if, if you were to be a leader of a church that's just say, and you told you're speaking to uh, talking to somebody about how you teach your congregation from James because uh -huh. you can't sure. have people going around doing whatever they want. What are you doing? I he mean, out there. what do you, who are you really worried about doing whatever they want? I mean, if you if you know understand the spirit of God, you should be 
you should have you you're already going to realize that the mm -hmm. the pagans the heathens of the world the non-believers are already doing whatever they want whatever they want why yeah. are you worried about a christian who has the spirit of god are you just like looking right past the holy spirit that's supposed to be indwelling in us well, Who would want? To, I mean, Paul makes it very clear in Corinthians when he's when he's talking about the the sexual immoral guy. He's talking. He lists all the things you know the the worldly people do. But then he says, "You used to be that, you know, but now right. you're this." He's not talking about their physical actions. He's talking about their mindset. Worldly people yeah. go around promoting worldly things. They take pride in worldly things that are sinful. Right. But yeah. when you're regenerated, you don't feel like doing that anymore. The spirit of God changes you. And so he's yeah. always looking at attitude. And he actually judged that sexually immoral person's faith by basically saying that that person is not a believer. He's acting like a believer. Get rid of people like that. Don't even associate with people who claim to be believers and are out there like doing what the rest of the world does, promoting sin, indulging in sin, and disregarding the love of Christ. So, 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 and and what people don't understand is, uh, like people say, well, if you're not, if you, if you, if you, if you, you're just going out and doing whatever you want to do. Um, I say, well, if you're going out and do whatever you want to do, you're showing that. Uh, you're not a member of uh, Christ Church. You're 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 a member of man's church. Yeah. Because in man's church, when you go inside, you can't do whatever you want to do. Mm -hmm. But when you leave at one, two, or three o'clock in the afternoon, <laughs> now you can do whatever you want to do. <laughs> but in Christ Church, when you go, when you come into Christ Church, do you ever leave? No. So when can you do whatever you want to do? In Christ Church. When can you do whatever you want to do? But you can't leave can you Christ do whatever Church. Whatever you want to do? No, you can't. Because yeah. The reason why, and I'm talking when I say do whatever you want to do, I mean concerning evil. Yeah. Not because you're not capable in your flesh of doing it, but because you are not you are not a slave to sin anymore. Yeah. You are you used to be a slave to sin before you were born again. But mm -hmm. now you are a slave to righteousness. Yep. A slave to righteousness. You are in chains of righteousness now. You couldn't do even if you thought you can't do anything you want to do, you can't. Yeah. But those who you can't change your who, heart, you, you can't, can't change the heart. You can't change it. You've you know, you're God gave you that heart transplant. You can't change that now. It's done. It's done. <laughs> and, the, and the reason why you can't, I can even tell people the reason why you cannot sin is because you're a slave to righteousness and you also, you are also not under law, but you're under grace. Mm -hmm. Being under grace means you cannot sin. Mm -hmm. You know, the law means you can sin at any moment. Yeah. That's why the law is there. Yeah. You have That's belief and unbelief. You have belief yeah. and unbelief. Right. Exactly. But I mean, once repentance, you once you enter, once you're regenerated. Repentance and unrepentance. <laughs> once you're regenerated, what can you mm -hmm. possibly even do at that right. point? It's impossible right. for the regenerated man to not believe. Right. Because because he tells us right in uh was it Timothy when you are faithless I am faithful. He remains faithful. He remains faithful when you're faithless. So yep. whose whose faith matters and how can you screw that up? Yep. You know when he really comes down to it faith the faith that comes from God and is given to us his faithfulness and us that he gave us that faith. His faithfulness is what keeps us saved. It's not ours. Exactly. exactly. Not so it's not your behavior. Is it your behavior? Is it, is it your behavior? Un unborn again. You can't be unborn right. again. No. Who separates you from the love of God? Starting to cut out a little bit. Who can separate you from the love of God? Nothing. Exactly. I'm fully what, convinced, just like Paul said, of angels, yeah. demons, any 
anything, you know, nothing can separate us from the love of God. The present or the future, will God ever leave you or forsake you? Absolutely not. Nothing can take us from his hand. How much more assurance do you need? Exactly. And so so we can't go around doing whatever we want. I always laugh when I think about the first time I heard somebody tell you that and I witnessed Uh it. (laughs) <laughs> I remember the, the words that Melissa is always laughing too. She's like, I always remember what Lee said. She said, what is it that you want to do so bad? <laughs> yeah, right? What do you want to do so bad? And the that person you said, just shut hell. <laughs> they had no idea what to say. <laughs> and if it would keep you out of hell, <laughs> if you did it, you would go to hell. But, that, but, uh, but I don't want to go to hell, so I'm not going to do it. What is that that you're holding back? Yeah. You see? He's, no. Dude, it's, it's funny. It's, it's a lot of humor, actually, in the New Testament. You know, especially when the grace of God shows up, because it's, you know, it it it, it makes people who try to work for salvation really look silly. Yeah. You know. You know, it's, it's like showing a, uh, it's like looking at a picture of a blind man painting something. <laughs> you see what I mean? <laughs> Has he been blind from birth, or does he maybe still have some recollection? <laughs> <laughs> now he's just painting something. <laughs> <laughs> just trying to gather all the details. <laughs> he might not know what it looks like. He might not know what it looks like. But trust me, he means it when he asks you, what do you think it looks like? <laughs> <laughs> How does my faith without words look to you? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Yeah, so the other the other interesting thing with faith without works is that is how is that supposed to be discouraging when Paul in Ephesians writes that uh, that not only that God distributed us our faith, but he he created in advance the good works so that we could do them. Exactly. Well, he already prepared, he already prepared a situation for. Uh, you to be able to do good works and how and how is that manifested? Right, that's manifested by God giving you uh, a, a a guarantee, yeah, a, a seal of the righteousness that you have by faith by giving you His Spirit. Yeah, He knows you. your He knew your personality. He knew yeah. how you. He didn't have to try to sell you the gospel. Yeah, he, you don't exactly. have to try to sell you anything. He knew exactly yeah. what it would take for you to respond. Yeah, you know when you when you yeah. look back in hindsight about your conversion, do you see anything that you could have done to change that? <laughs> no, I had to run right smack into a a brick wall. Yeah, I had to because uh because hey, what I saw what I saw where when I saw what God's word was saying and what my pastors at the church I was going to was saying, I didn't see any hope at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. I said the only the only thing that we that we are the only thing I saw waiting for me was that I said, well, it's got to be condemnation because I even if even if nobody knows what I do when I do wrong, uh, God knows. Yeah, you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. God knows, and if that's the and if that's what's being taught in the scriptures, then. Uh, I I don't know about everybody else, but I know it's me. Me, I'm I'll be lost. I'm lost. I'd have yeah. to go to. Uh, I'd have to be condemned. I'd have to go to hell. <clears throat> mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So uh, it was a blessing when I heard uh, uh, teachers like Bob George, uh, Jim Kirkwood, uh, teaching uh, the grace of God on on, uh, on radio. Yeah. You know, uh, because uh, even though at the, initially when I first heard them, because I was still attending my old church, I thought they were they were teaching garbage. I said, no, that's too easy. It's too it's too simple. It can't be right. Then I turn it <laughs> off. Then I turn it back on. Yeah. <laughs> you, know? you know, but I noticed when I read the Bible, I felt a lot more peace. But when I read when I when I go to church and I listen to the sermons, that's when I felt uneasy. Mm-hmm. After the sermon was over, I always felt uneasy. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know why. Because I said, "Well, they got to be." They saying God's saying this. They saying the Holy Spirit is leading them, saying to say this. Must be true. Yeah. 
But little did I know that it wasn't even close to true. I, when I, yeah. when I uh, met you at the Bible study group, the the debacle Bible study. Right. Yeah. I, All right. The debacle. I think I just finished uh, the Purpose Driven Life, and ah. uh, and I yeah. I thought to myself, I'm either going to be a mediocre Christian for the rest of my life, or uh-huh. I'm just going to have to pretend. Yeah, because I don't, I can't be that dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah you can't. and I don't want to be that dude. The desire, straw man. He's that book stole the desire that I started out with completely. It already mm-hmm. diminished greatly. You know, I I realized you know the the truth about how we get from you know where we're at to to the other side with hell's in the middle and the cross gets you there. I understood that. And I and I lo- and I loved it and embraced it and my my heart was changed, but then it all got sucked dry at the same place that this counselor had helped me to realize that they 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 started preaching the legalism and my my peace just went away instead of building and growing in grace I was growing in self righteousness and growing in doubt not knowing are all my sins forgiven and then you know some of the worst ones was i sincere enough about being mm-hmm. sorry for those and you you just like you said you can't you can't come to terms with it because in your mind you know you're going to say oh i stopped intentionally sinning since i became a christian you can't say that and so you become solely tormented by the legalism and the purpose driven life book was just like the nail in the coffin and um, I remember years and years prior, I remember as a as a young kid thinking to myself, and I believe I even asked uh, you know, my parents at the time, if if Jesus died for all of our sins, why do we have to go to confession? And so this question seemed to remain in the back of my mind throughout my life and in, in my subconscious. And then I met you at that study group. Bob invited you, you know, he met you, you said pumping gas and invited you because he wanted you to come to the church. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so You're in the couples group and right. you start talking about this forgiveness issue, how we're forgiven. We don't have to ask. And it was like you were speaking mm-hmm. right to my heart. And I was just like, something is happening here where I'm hearing something that is as if God was telling me from the beginning, you're going to, you're going to, this is going to be revealed to you. And uh, I, I couldn't, you know, after the group, everybody, <laughs> everybody pretty much hated you and rejected you. Of course. And I'm like, Bob, yeah. when, where can I talk to this guy some more? <laughs> I want right. to, I want to talk some more. And uh, you ended up, uh, you know, forming a, re- a relationship, became brothers in Christ. And, mm-hmm. uh, and that was, that was just really cool to, to realize that Bob just invited you because he wanted you to come to the church. He had no yeah. idea. Exactly. It set me. He probably completely set me free from Rick Warren and uh-huh. all that purpose-driven garbage that they were preaching where I was going. And mm-hmm. if I hadn't been set free, I mean, I was just falling away from grace by the day. Yep. But God had a bigger plan for me. Praise God, you know, He had a bigger yep. plan for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Amen. See, and you know, He had the true plan for you, you know, and and that's that's the funny thing how that works. You know, you never know where that situation is going to take place. No. You just don't. You know? You don't. You just you just don't. You sometimes you have to go through that mud to really appreciate that shower. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? To to be get to appreciate getting rinsed off, man, and be clean and you, but only the only difference is when Christ washes you, you you're clean forever. Right. And now you know it. And you you didn't even realize it at the time because you're like I was. You you didn't really know that that's what you needed. Yeah, but I didn't know that that's what you, I needed. I, when you think I about everybody, I thought everybody did this. I thought everybody. But when you was think doing. about how Christ teaches us, it's amazing yeah. because He uses the contrast. People mm-hmm. are always complaining, saying, "Why is the world so horrible? What about all these horrible things? How could God let these things happen?" But when you realize. You know, for one, what Paul wrote, who are we to to challenge him? But then he says, what if he used the objects of his wrath for the objects of his mercy? Exactly. And when I think about that, you think, well, how could he have not, how could he have shown us his light if we didn't see darkness? 
Yeah. How could we have known how dirty we were or how clean we are now if we weren't dirty in the beginning? Exactly. He's teaching us through this this yeah. life. And he's mm-hmm. teaching us the contrast of good and evil. That's why he yeah. let Adam and Eve eat the eat the fruit from the tree. Because mm-hmm. we needed that contrast for some, you know, for his purpose. It was all part of his purpose. Yep. How how are we going to know how bright his light is if we've never seen how dark darkness is? And, and, so and where he's working mm-hmm. in our lives when we're at rock mm-hmm. bottom all the time. Yep. I was I was going to endeavor on that purpose driven life and just deflated. And then <laughs> you know then then I hear the the gospel being taught, the true mm-hmm. gospel, the freedom in Christ. Yep. You know, and I was just like. I just remember challenging you and you probably remember uh-huh. too. I mean, I, it was like yeah. daily, weekly, I'd, I'd be reading the Bible and I'd come at you with stuff. And yeah, I'd no, no, I'm like, no. I'm going to get this guy this time. I got I'm him. him now. This. And then you'd and be like, this? oh yeah. And then, you know, you'd answer it. I'd be like, I'd go back to my Bible. Even though, even though it was freeing and it was true, I couldn't let it go without taking every angle and so right. I challenge every angle of it. And not, and not only that, you bring it up to other people and they give you another question that you can ask. Yeah. You know, you bring you bring it back to the people at your church or to the people in your family or friends that, that know a little bit about the Bible. So, well, well ask them this, you know, ask them that. It's just... Yeah. But see, it's like it's like you gonna you go you got the same thing I got. You know, you got God answering all those questions that you had before, right. and you didn't understand. You didn't understand the gospel. You right. didn't know what the gospel was because the gospel, the grace of God, was never presented to you. Yeah, it was never presented to me. It was never presented right. to me. And then, and by by the time it was presented to me, I had had so much of the counterfeit thrown at me. That uh, unless God, unless when, just like when God, when unless God told me, hey, open your Bible as you go along, <laughs> as, as Bible goes along, oh, yeah. check it out and see if what he's saying is true. Unless he said that, if he didn't say that, I probably wouldn't, I still be probably be there, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, so I opened it up and then sure enough, when I, when I, when he got to that, that second or third verse that he used to, uh, 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 qualify what he was teaching about uh, the forgiveness of sins. I, I not only did I understand those three passages, but I understood put together all those other passages that I never understood. Yeah, and that's that made that made it so crystal clear. I just had to stop it right there. And just, yeah, and just and just and just and just tell God I was sorry for not believing him. Yeah, because that's when you got to. I got to the court. I, I really, I never really believed you. I, I heard I heard it, but I didn't believe it. Yeah. And what uh, a freeing message. I mean, yeah. man, I just remember at the couples group, I just could not understand why yeah. they didn't like what you were saying. That you had one guy saying, Don't make me bring out my seminary notes. <laughs> and then, you know, the leader meets with the pastor and you know uh, told me to bring it out. We got to reject this heretic, and you yeah. know how did they reject you? You weren't a couple. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to bring a date. <laughs> oh man, I just remember having to write, you know, an email message back and just say, you know, if you guys aren't going to, you know, address this topic uh-huh. with the group, I, I'm not going to keep going, you know, because this needs to be addressed. Right. We, need, we need to look at this topic and stop just surfacing, glossing over it and sweeping under the rug. And they refused to do it. And I, right. at that point, I, I had to leave the group and, you know, do my own studying to to, yep. to start to, to realize things. And thank God. I mean, what an amazing message. It sets you so free at first that you don't even know what to do with your newfound freedom. It's been, a, it's been an what adventure. What do I do now? You know? Yeah, I'm, exactly. <laughs> it's, been a, it's been an adventure ever since for me i said i was like man people think oh are you out there in the world you're out there in the world so what are you talking about what do you think you go when you leave your church what do you think you go where do you think you're going yeah you know yeah if that's the place to be wouldn't you want to be there all the time right if the church is the place to be wouldn't 
isn't it? Wouldn't you want to be there all the time? Yeah. Why? But it was so 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 with with the true Christian when with with you with me Melissa and and all the other believers in the world, the Apostle Paul, the difference is we're in we're in God's church all the time. We never yeah. leave. Yeah. Never leave. The church was they never supposed to be most a structure, right? I mean, you have like. They they took all those passages about bishops, deacons, and, yeah. and just went to town with this organized. And they uh, built the straw man. And you know the the real church and the early church was very organic and very natural. And they were they were meeting and talking. I mean, in my mm-hmm. mind, you know, you would it would look very different than it looks today if it, if it yeah. was more of a natural organic happening. But you have an but, invisible church and a visible church, and God's church yeah. is perfect. That's true. Yeah, living, in those days they had true elders. The, they had true times, elders. You know, yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is the perfect church. It's out there. It's yeah. just not the per. It's not what you're seeing in the pews, and it's not what yeah. you're seeing at the pulpits. Yeah. Exactly. It's not the perfect church. It's not the That's perfect the man-made church. church. And you know, good could come from it. People can learn something from it. I think. You know, I'd have to say that I'm most grateful to where I went uh, for the legalism because it taught me the law quite well. And so mm-hmm. I knew how condemned I was when I received the full <laughs> grace. <laughs> it taught me the law quite well. <laughs> That's funny. I mean, you think about it. I mean, mine too. Think, yeah, mine too. I, I guess I got to be thankful. I mean, where did I learn how condemned I was before before yeah. you brought the gospel before me. I learned yeah. it from my local church. Yep. Mine I too. Was very condemned. <laughs> yep. Me too. Me too. Anytime you you sit down, you you're making a prayer to God, your final prayer to God and telling them you're just gonna have to uh condemn me and send me to hell, you know you reach you reach your wit's end. Yeah. You know? It's it's over. You but, know, because you know you can't keep that pretense up. You can't keep it up. I can pretend. Yeah. But it, I can't keep it up. I can't. You well, know? see the thing with double talk, you know, and that's what yeah. happened there. You know, you'd you'd one day, yeah. one moment, you'd feel good, the next not. But the problem with double talk, and you witness this with people that speak double talk, is mm-hmm. it just leaves them an exit strategy on both sides. They can play yep. both sides. Yeah. And so then when you get them on one, they just go back to the other. Oh yep. no, we do teach grace, but you're teaching the law. Oh yeah, we teach love. Well. You're mixing the two. No, we teach grace. <laughs> oh, they just play back and forth. And which covenant are you under? Which covenant are you under? Doesn't Both. teach Both you anything, them. though. <laughs> and so, how do you know what's in somebody's heart when they're when they're in a double talk scenario? You don't. You know, I, I know that God had mercy on me, and um, and yeah. there was this transitional path. And I mm-hmm. and I and I really believe that I was caught up in double talk. I think that I was mm-hmm. born again before I met you. But mm-hmm. it wasn't until I met you that I could actually be firm in the grace. It was kind of mm-hmm. like when Peter says you've forgotten your cleansing, you know, mm-hmm. it's just like, and that's happened probably more than once in my life. You get distracted mm-hmm. in the world, you right. know, with all the stuff that's going on out there right now, it, it happened. And I became bitter, you know, you know, with the, with the world at one point, you know, and you're just like, you know, I, eventually just God pulled me out of it. And it was yeah. just, I forgot the cleansing, forgot God's love again, you know? And so as Christians, like we've talked about, does the flesh not ever pertain? Of course it does. Mm -hmm. The flesh pertains and the flesh can pertain even in a good grace teacher's message. The flesh could come out. The flesh could come out. (laughs) The only place the flesh is conquered is by the grace of God, man. It's the only place. It's the only place it's conquered. It's, it's 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 through Christ. I mean, you can you can get distracted by health issues. You can get distracted by political. I mean, there's so many things compounding at one point where it's just like the love of Christ was always there. The peace was always in my heart. But you can easily drift. You know, you can easily drift in the flesh. God's got. But you know what? And then you look at the passage that He's always faithful, even when we're faithless. And Mm -hmm. in hindsight, you see it. You know, you see it perfectly. Yeah. And we just, we just, I mean, we can get sidetracked so easy. That's why you can't, that's why you can't put any trust. And this is what the Apostle Paul said. He said, you know, he puts no confidence, zero, 
confidence in the flesh at all. Yeah. And what do you think he meant by that? Well, I, I know that one thing I take from it is if you have no confidence whatsoever in the flesh, then you can't really say that even your conversion had anything to do with you. Right. <laughs> there because you, you would have been in the flesh before you came there to you There it is. Start right to there. finish. From start there to finish, go. it's God. Yeah. And so the faith without works is dead. And I'll show you my faith by my works puts you on the wrong mindset. Yep. Going back to those passages, what mindset when you mm. hear those words and don't pretend and don't take into account the rest of scripture, where are you going with that? You're going down yep. the road where your flesh is going to lead the way and you don't want yep. that. Nope. <laughs> nope. You don't want it, man. You all just, you put yourself on a path to legalism, yep. to circumcision, to the law. And the only people going to like that is people who don't believe in the grace of God anyway. Yeah, so we can come to the conclusion, yeah. you know, we don't know. Yeah. There's so many things we don't know about James in conclusion. Who wrote it, when it was written, was, uh -huh. it, the, was it the Apostle James, was it the brother of Jesus? There's all these speculations. Yeah. And then there's even the argument of whether it belongs in Scripture. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, it made it, in, it made it into Scripture, and yeah. so it's there. And it doesn't, it, it really, you could say it harms Scripture, but does it? No, not for the believer. No, not really. Not for the believer at all. It's it's kind of just like saying that uh, you know preaching a license to sin is going to harm the believer. No, it's it's not going to harm the believer at all. Grace is. And what, do, what, what and what DMV do you go to to get this license? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think we'll we'll end this call on that note. And uh, okay. I think it was excellent, an excellent take on James, and it was awesome. Uh -huh. Uh, you know, to to be on call with you again, Lee, and hopefully, oh. hopefully, you'll be on board for another one soon. What do yeah, you think? Yeah, hopefully, man. We'll see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank uh, for the audience. Thank you for uh, being on Waking Up to Grace, Full Grace, Nothing in Its Place, and uh, hope to have you guys back for another one the next time in the future. Here, so Amen, and uh, yeah, have a good day out there, everyone. Have a good. Before we end this uh, this segment, I wanted to add in a couple of passages that we overlooked uh, when we get when Lee and I get into our conversations. Uh, we had an excellent call, excellent video, uh, but I wanted to add in a couple passages because there was a couple of things that we had talked about um, that didn't get included in here when we tried to sort of re recreate our conversation that was on the path. So. Uh, a couple of passages here would be Galatians chapter 2. <clears throat> um, it says, 14 years later, and this is Paul speaking, 14 years later, I went up again to Jerusalem, this time with Barnabas. I took Titus along also. I went in response to a revelation and set before them the gospel that I preach among the Gentiles. But I did this privately to those who seemed to be leaders for fear that I was running or had run my race in vain. Yeah, not even Titus, who was with me, was compelled to be circumcised, even though he was a Greek. This matter arose because some false brothers had infiltrated our ranks to spy on the freedom we have in Christ Jesus and to make us slaves. We did not give in to them for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might remain with you. As for those who seem to be important, whatever they were makes no difference to me. God does not judge by external appearance. Those men added nothing to my message. On the contrary, they saw that I had been entrusted with the task of preaching the gospel to the Gentiles, just as Peter had been to the Jews. For God, who is at work in the ministry of Peter, was an apostle to the Jews, as an apostle to the Jews, was also at work in my ministry as an apostle to the Gentiles. James, Peter, and John, those reputed to be pillars, gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship when they recognized the grace given to me. They agreed that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the Jews. All they asked was that we should continue to remember the poor, the very thing I was eager to do. And uh, from there, um, it, he goes into what we had talked about where Paul opposed Peter um, uh, because of what he had done. He said, well, I'll, I'll just read it again. When Peter came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face. 
because he is clearly in the wrong. Before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in this in his hypocrisy, so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. When I saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? We who are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners know that a man is not justified by observing the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that way may be justified by faith in Christ and not by observing the law, because by observing the law, no one will be justified. And then he goes on from there. So there was there was clearly, uh, you know, some some confusion going on with uh, with some of the some of the apostles in the early times. You know, the they they were having a hard time letting go of some of the laws, maybe maybe the mentality, the law mentality. And uh, interesting that he, he he names them James uh, James Peter and John and uh, saw him as a pillar and he had to rebuke Peter because people came from James. This that's an interesting thing. You can't you you know you got to realize that uh, when you when you go to scripture you know for things you, you gotta you gotta look at it all and uh, so it this this all pertains you know to the to how you know you have to look at the book of James. And here, here's another passage uh, in addition that we didn't go over um, that Peter affirms uh, Paul's authority, his spiritual authority that he had that we just read about. He says, so then, dear friends, since you are looking forward to this, make every effort to be found spotless, blameless, and at peace with him. Bear in mind that our Lord's patience means salvation, just as our dear brother Paul also wrote you with the wisdom that God gave him. He writes the same way in all his letters, speaking in them of these matters. His letters contain some things that are hard to understand, which ignorant and unstable people distort, as they do other scriptures, to their own destruction. So what we have here is that, um, you know, Peter's saying that some of the things that Paul says are hard to understand. He's he's admitting uh, that there's they have a hard time with the clarity of it because they he had more more grace given to him and they recognized that and they gave him the right hand of fellowship they probably recognized that you know he could speak in tongues of all these nations what good is speaking i mean who needed to speak in tongues more than the apostle paul who was going to all these different nations preaching the gospel that's why he talks about how he spoke in tongues more than anybody. I mean, that gift alone would have been proof that he was the one to go to the Gentiles. And, and you know, now people turn that into something else that sounds like Babel. But with the Apostle Paul, he used the gift to speak to other people in languages that they understood that he would not have been able to speak. He didn't know how to speak all those languages before it was divinely given to him. It's amazing. So uh, I think at the end here, he says, therefore, dear friends, since you already know this, be on your guards that you may not be carried away by the error of lawless men and fall from your secure position, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And we're going to end on that note. And uh, thank you for waking up to grace with us. And I uh, hope to have you back again. And I hope you enjoyed the message today. You guys have a good day out there.